welcome to another episode of the Rental Journal Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the equipment rental industry. I'm your host, Mark Simonson, and today our guest is Michael McDaniel. Michael is the owner of Ideal Rental out of Mount Vernon in Washington and has been in the industry for close to 20 years. Michael also served as the vice president for the ARA of Washington, and he's coming to the end of his three-year term as the American Rental Association Region 8 Director. Michael, thank you for coming on the podcast today. To kick things off, can you talk to me about how you got into the equipment rental industry? Around uh, probably about 2002, I was working for a, a trucking company and uh, they uh, they let me go. I was needing a job. I'd applied at Costco, Home Depot, uh, places like that, and just nothing was sticking. So I had seen rental and interacted with it, rented stuff in uh, in Omaha. And I, there was a small store that abruptly had closed uh, near me. And so I thought, okay, there's an opportunity. And ultimately that didn't, it didn't work out. And looking back, I would probably didn't have the, the money, the capital to start doing the construction tool, general tool uh, portion of the uh, business. So I bought, kind of floated on credit cards, bought two bounce houses. And I did party rentals, pretty much ex- did exclusively uh, just event party rentals up until around 2012. And so you eventually moved into more the general rental space. But so what was the evolution? You started off with a couple of bounce houses. Did that turn from two to four and four to six? Like what was the moment that you sort of decided to go into that general rental space? Yeah, so I bought these two bounce houses, uh, a Spider-Man and a Castle bounce house from a company based out of Los Angeles called uh, called Ninja Jump. And um, I still, uh, the series, I still have the Spider-Man. Uh, you can still rent it from our uh, store. Uh, the other one kind of, we sold off. It got uh, got worn out and then it found uh, found a new, uh, new family in someone's uh, backyards for backyard uh, parties. But I adapted, I had to adapt and learn really quick that, um, just being a kind of a one trick, uh, deal that I had to quickly diversify. So I added tables, chairs, canopies, tents, and, and heaters, and then they are re- related, uh, items. And then the business just evolved and just rolled. I was introduced to a, uh, a large car dealership group in the Seattle area and they, were at the time having used several vendors, uh, one for the fence, one for uh, portable restrooms, one for security, one for the uh, the canopy. So all these different uh, uh, companies. And I came to them. So it just evolved where I would, we'd provide everything um, under one uh, one invoice, one, one company. So, um, so that kind of was the launching pad and car dealers, general managers of car dealership, successful dealers, they're very demanding. And I was able to just deliver and show up. Literally, we'd you know take a parking lot and then set it up at a, at a mall so that they could come in and, and, do, uh, and do sales. And I literally, I would kind of do everything that they would uh, come to me and ask me uh, to do. So whether that might be to um, coordinate uh, communications, a telephone line to be brought in and then hanging it, bringing it into the, uh, into the tent and setting up the different uh, portable offices and setting up the, 
the workstations so they can uh, handle the uh, printers that would print their uh, the finance uh, agreements and contracts. Yeah, and just talking to that point, I think a lot of people sometimes overcomplicate small businesses. Like realistically, if you've got a customer that has a requirement and then you have a solution and you provide that solution, often that customer will come back for repeat business. And so is that something that I guess you found when you were growing your business? Correct. And why price was important, the... Uh, the security, the, the, the value of bringing everything together and they could just make a call and know that it was, uh, it was handled. So, and that was a small portion of the deal. We might be a 20 or $25,000 billable item to them, but they may have invested a hundred, 200,000, uh, on radio and television. So, um, it was very crucial, critical, the, the aspect, the role that we, uh, that we uh, we played, but I just I met their deadlines. I performed. I was uh, responsive and like a business. I I grew. We grew with the uh, what the customer was wanting from us, and that's how the the inventory grew to having things like inflatable gorillas. We have inflatable uh, Santa Clauses. Uh, we got inflatable Easter bunnies. So. Some you know these crazy items, but car dealers love them. It's like the secret mojo or magic to uh, <laughs> to bring in either at a at an offsite sale or an onsite sale at the at the dealership. And so it sounds like the rental side, like this was like your your first real experience. Like, did did you have any like prior experience that sort of built you up for this? Because like going from not running a rental business to running a rental business, like you, you gotta, you gotta get, get some skills under your belt to, to get, make that happen. Like where did you sort of set up the, your base, I guess, from when you were younger? Yeah, I, I think what, uh, you know, you look at like original question of uh, how and when did you originally start? Well, I probably started, I, I had a newspaper route. I delivered the Omaha World Herald. That was seven days a week, 365 days a year. That was in all, all weather. There was no, uh, uh, backing out uh, when a tornado came through town, we still delivered the newspaper after the after the uh, uh, the storm had passed. So that's where where that preparation and that discipline started. So uh, learning money management, I learned money management from being a paper boy. Um, at the time, we had to go out and collect, and we had these uh, you know, like. Uh, Oh, like stock cards or something. And we'd have the addresses written down and then a little, uh, a, a punch. And then when you paid your bill, it would be cash or check. Uh, we'd be a punch off on the deal. That's how we kept track of it. And then we'd have to tender the money to the uh, independent, to the distributor that would drop the, the newspaper off. So um, I detasseled corn um, when I was in, uh, in high school. I, I had retail experience. Um, ironically, you know, I think that working at a grocery store when I was 14 or 15, that retail experience of keeping things stock, making the displays look, uh, look good, really parlayed into running an equipment rental store. We often get compliments from customers and from vendors and they come in and like, gosh, this place is, uh, it's just different. It's organized. It's, 
it's clean. And to me, it's, it's nothing that's uh, unnatural. It's just kind of a natural um, type of thing. I'm just running a good shop, running a good, uh, a good, uh, good business. So you know, I, I worked uh, also at a car wash, um, worked in some transportation, I worked transportation companies. So I worked for Roadway Express. I worked the docks um, towards the end of, uh, end of high school. So in all those jobs, um, that background, that history, and then my, you know, father really pushing me, um, you kind of, you couldn't sit around and be lazy and play video games. It's great that you got to take some of the skills that you learned when you were younger and apply them to your rental business as well. So do you want to just talk a little bit about maybe the history of I do a rental and, and I guess what the makeup of the fleet is. So the types of equipment that you, you rent out. In 2000, so 2012, I was in New Orleans for the rental show with my dad. And then out of the blue, I got a call from my bank. It was a business bank that I had a relationship, started a relationship with and still have this relationship until, you know, here 2020. And um, so I get the, uh, you know, I got a call about, um, they had a client that had a small little independent rental store that was founded in around 1972. And um, the uh, sale had fallen through and then they thought perhaps that I could be a good uh, operator and had the skills to turn it around and make it uh, successful. So, um, so when I bought the store prior to buying it, it didn't have, it had maybe an inventory of around $400,000. It was pretty worn out. It was kind of that old school philosophy of the owner just sucking every dollar out of it, not reinvesting in equipment. They had no aerial equipment. They had no, uh, no excavators. Um, they had, there just was just many lines of equipment that you need to have in a, in a rental yard today to be competitive. And, uh, so we've, um, uh, we stayed doing equipment that was under 12,000 pounds. We had every class of equipment under, as far as aerial and, uh, shooting boom, um, all-terrain forklifts to, uh, I was in, uh, was in Kentucky at the at ICU, it's ICU EE show, so underground show, where you kind of live demo the equipment. And then we stepped up into the next arena and bought a large uh, a semi. And so that has opened up to, and then also the being comfortable with expanding to these more expensive pieces of, uh, of, uh, of equipment. So, um, you know, I, I was reluctant, you know, I would, I got some feedback from the person I bought the business and, and maybe some other smaller independents that just were, that are kind of stagnant. And, you know, I don't have really any aerial, they don't have any dirt equipment and then, oh, I, you know, the, the nationals, they've got it all locked up and it's a rate war. And uh, so I've, we, uh, we've got a extensive, we've got a lot of, we run a lot of excavators. Um, we do, uh, you know, for a store of our store of our size, we do. Uh, I, I think we do a good amount of uh, aerial business, um, good amount of forklift business. Um, I stretched out. I bought a dump truck, and um, and when I think about how I bought that dump truck, I just always 
you see uh, the suppliers that go to the ARA show and it was all right, but you can only get them in white, you know, fleet white. And it's just, I wanted metallic silver. Um, I just wanted to option a little bit different. And so I worked it really, you know, from all angles and I got it from a local uh, a Ford dealer. I was able to get a rugby um, dump body on there and get it built specifically to meet the needs of what, what we thought the customers wanted, like having asphalt chutes on the, on the rear of the truck. We, uh, we sell ready mix concrete. We have a cartaway system. We just upgraded this year to their new porta batch system, which is a, it runs off of a gas engine. It's computer controlled. So it could be set up on a remote site. We're basically got it for all intents and purposes set up uh, permanently. And we wanted to be able to do economy of scale to drive the costs down. So we, from another company, we got uh, a large vertical uh, semi-mobile uh, cement silo. And you know, we had to be creative, we had to do these types of things so we could um, not really skirt the local, the city uh, permitting our, our zoning restrictions, but we just were really savvy and, and smart about it. Wow, such a wide variety. And so what were some of the challenges I guess you faced when you acquired the business in 2012? I, uh, you know, I had to do it the kind of the old, I had to earn everything that I, I had. Um, nothing was um, given to me from, uh, from my father. So it was basically working, you know, floating on about five, $8,000 on credit cards to have an inventory of, uh, you know, where we have now, which is in the, in the millions of dollars. And um, now we do, uh, you know, in a month, we might buy, commit to two or $300,000 worth, uh, worth of equipment. So I think it, it goes back to having just a, a unique set of experiences and discipline, a lot of self-sacrifice to just constantly apply yourself always want to improve yourself and improve what you're doing and just tinker with things and make things get better. Um, have I had setbacks, me, you know, financial, have I bought in the wrong equipment that didn't work out? Uh, yes, everybody has, but you know, the neat thing about the own business is you can almost, you can seem like you can make a lot of mistakes and end of the day still <laughs> come out all, uh, all right at the, uh, at the end so yeah well in the end like it you own the equipment so i think i had someone else on the podcast talk about this briefly like you if something goes wrong you lose a rental you buy the wrong machine it's not like it's lost you still own the asset and you can sell it so uh there is mistakes to be made but obviously you need to be careful about the types of mistakes uh, and it's great to hear that, like, I guess you you really built the group business up from the ground up. And I can't imagine the pressure uh, behind having credit cards and the need of the cash flow to pay for those credit cards. But I guess it just really is a testament to your your motivation and your, and, and the success that you've brought to the business. Yeah, Mark. And the other key to success is that, you know, I've had relationships with my customers, some of them since day one. So I started in, in that 2000, 2002. And I, I still work with these... Uh, work with these folks uh, year after after year so it uh, so i just look at you know we must be 
doing something right because things are really uh, it's it's competitive um, with what we do. We probably in our area have 10, 10 plus competitors. Yep. The it can't stress enough the importance of having a strong relationship with your customers and how far it can really take your business. So how has COVID-19 affected your business? Because you do have an event side and I'm assuming there would have been a bit of impact there. But what's the overall impact on your business so far? So a large portion of our our sales was driven by event and party rental. And obviously that got completely wiped out. You know, we're in Washington State and Washington State was one of the first states where things were um, shuttered and, and closed down and no travel and um, and stay at home. So when I looked at the sales, you know, through January 1st, through a couple of days ago, uh, overall our gross sales were, were down, you know, I say only 10%. Um, so we've, uh, we just pivoted and focused on turning inventory, selling equipment, keeping our inventory uh, at that kind of that sweet spot that we we found of two to three years um, aging or old, and then just starting to, you know, bring in new, uh, new equipment. So we really focused on that. We challenged ourselves. We challenged ourselves by being comfortable with the concrete batching system that we had to investing, uh, you know, 150K into automating it and improving the, uh, quality of the service, the speed of the service, uh, you know, that has, with COVID, how it's affected things, it gives you time to look, take a true, you know, pull back and look over all your, your operations and your, and your processes and spend that time during that quote slowness to, uh, to improve things. So, um, it, uh, it's really forced us to, so we saw, you know, I'm seeing a lot of auctions, party event rental companies, you see companies that are 40 or 50 years in business and they're going out they're closing down and they're, uh, they're having auctions. They're doing maybe five, 10% of revenue of what they normally uh, were doing. You know, some might have a lease of 50 or $60,000 on a building and, uh, and then no way to, uh, no way to pay. So, um, so for us, it's, it's really forced me to look at, you know, it's hard to be excellent at all these different areas. So on construction, general tool, and on event and party. Um, the event party is kind of super fun and super sexy and super hip. It was neat. Uh, renting stuff to Microsoft. It was neat renting stuff to GoDaddy or renting things to uh, to Amazon and, you know, saying, oh gosh, we've got those customers or Facebook. I think I just discovered, I've, I've discovered and COVID forced me to face it head on that for us to excel uh, as a business, I got to, I got to make a choice. I got to focus on construction, general tool, um, focus, focus on the selling the ready mix, the cart away, concrete business, um, our temp fence, crowd control, 
business, our sanitation business with the restroom trailers. And now we're, I'm closely analyzing, do I go all in on the portable sanitation? Um, because it's just, it's complementary to renting out fence. You look at what first goes into a, a job site, and then you look at what the national uh, companies are, are doing. And, and then the feedback they're getting from these contractors, they want to just deal with one centralized source uh, for their job site offices, containers, fence, um, and all these, uh, all these things. So might not, I definitely don't have the capability right now, the equipment or the ground space to um, compete doing the containers, but we do really well doing the fence. And it seems like the portable sanitation, the satellite into you know, the plastic toilets is just so um, it's complimentary. And it also, you know, you, a good business person, you're always evaluating the competition. You know, wh where are they doing? And I've got, you know, we have national competitors. We have basically billionaires that are, that we're competing against. And um, I think it might, I think it through the eyes of if I was that superintendent on the job site, um, and one last phone call, it's going to save some time. If I can get one person that can do my, um, my plastic, uh, my job site restroom and do my fence. And, and we see the synergies that, that we're going to job sites, we're renting them the material, the telehandler, the all-terrain telehandler, doing the fence and doing the scissor lift and then driving by noticing the, the one piece of the puzzle that we're leaving money on the table is that uh, job site restroom. That's an interesting point. So when you are coming up against the nationals, like what are you typically pushing as like your unique selling point and your point of difference? Is it because you're a small business, you're more agile, you can potentially provide faster service? Like what do you normally uh, push to your, your new customers that are coming on board? A lot of, when we have new contractors from like out of state, they, and they go to our website and they, they think that we're a national, uh, we got other branches. And so we take that as an extreme compliment. Um, we, uh, we really, it's like the Zappos uh, philosophy of delivering happiness and true. I can say as the owner, I get feedback almost every day, weekly, uh, from the customers that, you know, your staff is helpful. They're um, cheerful. They just go out of their way to answer our questions, make us feel uh, welcome and, uh, and appreciated. And just not, it's just not another transaction. It's not another, uh, uh, just not another customer. You know, we're intimately involved. We want whatever the project, whether it be a, uh, consumer having a dealing with a flooded basement because of the washing machine tipped over or the hose uh, burst and they need to uh, dry it out, rent dehumidifiers and, and fans. So we want to offer that level of service to uh, large, uh, to contractors. So I think we really excel by our speed to speed to service. So um, it could be a pitfall that we do whatever we can at whatever hour. I mean, just this past, uh, I don't know, week and a half or something, I had 
you know, my CDL drivers were, uh, were out, but I had a customer that wanted a, a boom lift delivered to a, to a gas station and kind of to meet the deadline to get it there by six or seven. So I, I went ahead and I did that myself personally. I've got a CDL and delivered that, uh, that there. So, um, you know, a lot of times when they call other, you know, national, it might be not just that they don't want to provide the service, that counter consultant, that counter uh, person, it's just, they, they can't, there's just so many layers of, it has to go through, uh, through a trip planner and you know, it might be a week or two before they could respond and, and get someone uh, out there. So with our fence rentals, uh, just a rapid deployment, uh, we literally offer 24 seven uh, service, emergency service, um, might be for a, for a fire. So our phones are always answered 24 seven. Uh, might be a retail customer that had their, you know, a national uh, farm ag supply uh, retailer and had a forklift go down and they uh, called our 24 seven uh, number. And I think within an hour, we were able to mobilize to get a forklift delivered uh, to them. So if people, they, uh, they remember that they, they remember that. So, plus it helps that, you know, the store that I got to uh, improve upon and, and they're really mature and develop has, it's just got a key point, you know, a really awesome location. It's been there since uh, 1972, uh, 70, 76. So one thing I didn't mention is that, you know, with buying that new business, just the radical transformation of, we had to rebrand. So we changed the the company name, um, and just from listening to the customers, the, the previous name, they thought we were rent to own for furniture, and they didn't realize the capabilities that we possess to take care of their uh, uh, their needs. So, and man, that is a coming up with a business name is uh, can be it's difficult because uh, you want to find that website, that domain. Um, I think originally I wanted ideal rental had to do ideal rent all because there was a European car rental agency that had it. And I reached out to him. I engaged him, um, offered, I said, Hey, you know, 5,000 or 10 to, to buy, but then the communication wasn't, uh, had, uh, had broken, broken off. So. Interesting. Some history there. So, so how do you think that the equipment rental industries changed in the past 10 to 15 years? There's obviously been a incredible amount of consolidation and, and not that there is, there is always going to be room for um, an up and comer to start a business. You know, if they evaluate if is something is service lacking or the, or the prices um, uh out of whack, you know, maybe the experience as a contractor, boy, they're, you know, I think they're charging too much. I think I, I can uh, buy whatever, buy this equipment and operate a business at a, at a lower, uh, at a lower rate. Um, there is internet-based companies. Uh, one, so you have, obviously people heard of big rents. Um, another, another company, Texas-based, and they specialize in renting, job site, uh, waste, uh, disposal, uh, containers, restroom trailers, uh, the portable sanitation side. 
and then fence, and then they, they do business with us. And, and going back to that speed of service where, you know, they, they contact us from Texas. And then I think their client was Tesla and it was a supercharging site and uh, they needed fence like that day and they wanted it by 3 p.m. And uh, we were able to meet the needs and have the staff. And, you know, it's always, a, it's, a, it's a balancing act of, um, I want to watch your expenses and watch your, your labor. But uh, on the flip side, you need to be, have the, the right manpower and the right equipment to, uh, uh, to take care of, uh, of business. Um, but again, I, you know, probably the biggest thing that, uh, that I'm seeing is just a mass consolidation and where I think maybe, you know, I watch, you wonder if is the rental business is going to be kind of Uberized. Um, time will tell. I know the software companies, I, you know, baseline, I don't know if you guys are working on or have, uh, uh, an, uh, an application, um, to, uh, to address that. So seems like our software provider is, um, focused on, you know, what the future, uh, future holds, but, um, but also goes back to this, it's the relationship business. Um, and you're just kind of as good as your last, uh, just as your last rental and you always got to uh, prove yourself. So I kind of have a hard time understanding how, if I'm need to set up a job site in a, in a particular city, maybe 60 or 70 miles away from me. And, uh, I don't know if I necessarily would go there to rent, you know, a thousand linear feet of fence, maybe without wanting to talk to. Uh, the company's going to be providing the service and uh, make sure the locate service and just understanding who I'm doing uh, business with rather it being kind of blind, you know, like a Uberized where you customer might not know where that scissor lift is going to be come coming from, but um, big rents does it. And we uh, participate, we do business with them and um, it works. Uh, it works fine. They're very sophisticated you know, there's a lot that can be uh, learned from their op operations and trying to emulate, uh, you know, how a customer uh, can call call an item off rent and using their their phones, uh, smart, you know, just out out in the uh, out in the field. So, also, I think equipment share is is developing or onto something in conjunction with manufacturers and technology companies to where they will just put the equipment out on a large job site. And plumber maybe use it uh, during shift one, uh, a different a plumbing company, and they're going to be done in today and plug it into a charger and all done through their uh, smartphone and then onboard telematics uh, on the uh, on the machinery. And then another user, some other company will come along and uh, need that same piece of equipment to uh, hang wire or something uh, on shift two. So um that I think is very uh, is uh, is going to be an interesting uh, development. Yeah, well, I think rental companies are always going to need to be evolving and and making sure that they're using technology to sort of put themselves forward, or maybe adapting to help customers solve a certain problem. And I guess the ones that don't embrace innovation are the ones that potentially might be left behind. Um, 
it's 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 common in all industries but we'll see what the next five or ten years looks like and who, who sort of takes that big leap yeah correct and um you know i this book i'm you know the book i'm reading here from by uh sam walton you look at at kmart and kmart was complacent and they made other key um obviously key critical um mistakes and they're completely you know they're gone they're they're not with us uh any uh anymore and uh, they were far ahead of uh of walmart before they started but um you know walmart embraced tech they they met, they solved the technology coming in the horizon and you know inventory management they saw that gosh for us to continue to scale and roll out across the country and in the world um technology is going to be the uh the key to to success so um you know rental companies it's very it's just so crucial to uh have a you know work with a good stay with a good software provider um have a really good you need it you have you have a good website um those are all critical things to stay relevant otherwise you're going to be you'll be left uh left behind because that more savvy operator that's just constantly thinking about what's coming next for uh, technology and not only staying ahead of uh, on fleet demands and what the customer is demanding for uh, of the equipment to improve you know safety and efficiency on the uh, on the job site gosh you just have to be thinking about technology you know I, I spend uh, not huge amounts of time on it, but it's I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about what we need to do to, um, so customer, you know, call a friend. Are we doing things the most efficient way? You know, we're basically having them call us. And I think, cause right now we the people, they, they still want to make that phone call. They still want to, uh, uh, have that relationship, talk to somebody and just have that, uh, that human, um, interaction. So, but as uh, you know, I evaluate how I uh, do uh, book airfare, uh, how I book flights on Alaska Air, how I uh, use the Hilton uh, app for uh, for hotels, or how I use uh, even Hotwire. So, and yeah, you think uh, is you just you just got something you got to be uh, prepared and uh, aware of and adapt to what the uh, what the customers uh, want, because ultimately they're gonna, they will decide whether or not you're gonna be here, you know, five or ten years from uh, uh, from now. So, yeah, it's gonna be an interesting landscape in the future. So, so what is your involvement with the American Rental Association? Yeah, so American Rental Association, there is, it's really, I've had, put a lot of more, you know, wise older, mature people that have been in the business uh, and then from different industries, like the pipeline industry. Um, and they commonly say that there's no other trade association like the American Rental uh, Association. So um, 
And uh, I guess we were my involvement with the ARA started in 2012. Uh, um, yeah, that's where I became aware of it. I think 14, 13 or 14. I was asked if I would volunteer on a, on a state board uh, for Washington. And I did that. I participated in a lot of uh, lobbying efforts and going to the Capitol for the best interest of the you know, fellow, the uh, rental stores uh, operators in, uh, in Washington. So I then ran for, was asked and ran for a position on the American Rental Association uh, board. And so I started that service uh, 2018 in New, New Orleans. And uh, my term will be, it's a three-year term. So it'll be expiring in 2021. 20, so, and man, it's, you know, people say you get more, you just get more out of it, man, than you put in, if I'm uh, saying that uh, uh, correctly. Uh, it is a big time commitment. Um, I took it, it was very personable, personal to me. Um, I uh, really made a priority to travel my region, which is region eight. So Oregon, Washington, Idaho, and Montana, and go to those different chapter meetings, uh, go to the stores. So and here in light, you know, the good thing where I got, I just got a lot out of it. Yeah, I was volunteering for the bit of, of um, giving back to, uh, to the industry, but I got to learn so much by traveling and going into other uh, stores, whether they be, you know, publicly traded nationally, national stores are, are independents and see a lot of really neat, great ideas and take that back to my store and uh, incorporate, uh, you know, they're, they're good ideas. Um, it's great that you give back to the, the rental community as well. And I guess like how important do you think that like trade associations like the American Rental Association are to the rental industry? All right. So kind of personally as a business owner right now, um, like when I first got involved, uh, focusing on, you know, getting equipment rental, um, going to the, the rental show, which then became the, uh, the ARA show. Um, I just think it was so critical to my head developing roots, roots in the business and success and meeting people with similar common shared goals and, and, and interests. Um, I, uh, I remember meeting a gentleman uh, named Brad. Um, gosh, neat story. His great-grandfather founded Dart Transportation in Minnesota. And, um, and he was in the portable uh, storage business. He had this huge inventory of, uh, of trailers and containers. And then he even uh, builds his own uh, portable offices that he imports uh, from China and but he does it only as cash uh, cash allows. So I just I'm like, gosh, it seems like it's a cat. You should just go for it. So, you know, this year, you know, next year the all the pretty much the trade shows have been uh, postponed or rescheduled, canceled. Um, we're supposed to go back to New Orleans for the rental show. That got pushed back into uh, October into Vegas. The 
CRA, the California Rental Association, they were going to do a show in January and they were real. I mean, they were full, they would still be doing it had it not been for the local, uh, the governmental uh, rule for gathering size uh, changing. So, um, but uh, it, I think it, it kind of put everybody on an equal playing field where you can go and be looked at as a large as a buying group and talk direct to the manufacturers. Um, remember this year, you know, just going back and forth between Kubota and, and Bobcat. And um, so that, that show, that convention um, really fostered that type of thing to, to happen. So now I've been busy uh, pre-booking my equipment or my uh, equipment well in advance and I had to do that because of reacting to the COVID, um, you know, some things are, um, you just can't order the equipment and get it uh, within a couple of weeks. It, it might be two to three months uh, out. There was uh, a boom lift that we did with the aerial manufacturer and scheduled not to arrive until uh, March. So ordered a bunch of trailers um, from manufacturer in Idaho and, um, it, uh, I probably maybe would have not have become aware of that company, um, had it not been for going to a, like the ARA show or going to, uh, the California, the, uh, the, uh, the rental rally. So, um, they're a successful small independent company based out of Idaho. Um, they're one of Home Depot's, um, preferred vendors for, uh, for, for trailers, for, for dump trailers. So. And then just going off, you know, off track on that, Mark, it, it, um, you know, to me, a successful rental uh, operator is always looking to improve that customer experience. And I can say, you know, with why we're so successful is we are just relentless on focusing on not just the dollar of getting the, you know, the equipment at the cheapest price. And by listening to your, uh, your program, your podcast, and listen to some of the other uh, successful operators talk about, you know, the relationship with the vendors and uh, the manufacturers. And, you know, I'm learning that just how important, you know, so you're not just, it's not easy to hop around from manufacturer to manufacturer. And uh, on the, going back to the, these dump trailers, we've got two semi loads uh, on order here. Um, they're months, you know, booked out, but we're switching from them being, having batteries to having gasoline engines. Um, it, it, <laughs> it was something where we got a lot of, you know, customer uh, complaints, even though we did everything we could as far as standard operating procedures to properly tell the customers how they work and, and show to them what the uh, level of the of deep cycle battery was just more. It just was a, a point of uh, getting com complaints. So something that we thought we could uh, improve on. So, so it costs us another two thousand dollars per trailer, but I think over the you know life cycle, the the probably you know five or six years where they'll run that trailer, we'll more you know we'll get that back. We won't have the customer complaints. Uh, the end you know, consumers will have that positive uh, uh, rental experience, and hopefully we've knocked out a, uh, a a weak point. And that by being involved with the ARA. Um, I had a conversation with uh, with a gentleman from REIC, so Rental Equipment Investment uh, Corporation, and he works at a store in Idaho. And uh, their highest ROI item is, he said, was 
dump trailers. And then there was another very successful family, you know, eight or 10 branch uh, rental store and uh, kind of bantering back and forth and talking, you know, battery versus gas engine. And, you know, the, the fellow with the gas engine is like, well, we never get a complaint call. We never have an issue. They just always, they just work. So, um, so that, you know, that will, uh, um, that's going to change how people buy, you know, one of the things, one of the duties, uh, roles of a, the ARA, you know, board of directors, and then the executive uh, committee is to protect the ARA show. So it remains a relevant, vibrant, uh, it's a buying proposition so that the vendors, the manufacturers that invest hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars to go and participate, exhibit, show, and send their staff that they get the return that they need and that, you know, folks are coming there ready to basically uh, be in the moment, pay attention, and that they're, are, you know, they're there to, they're there to buy. So that's something that's very critically um, important to the, uh, uh, to the ARA. So, and I think the networking surrounding the whole, um, the whole event is just immeasurable as far as you just, you can kind of go, even go, you can go kind of deflated or, you know, oh, I'm not going to buy. And, but it just, it, what you put into it is what you're going to get to get out of it. I assume you're going to say like, that's such a good way of thinking. Like <clears throat> if you attend these, these trade shows and expect that like the, the ARA is going to make it happen for you, you're probably going to be disappointed. You, you need to go to these trade shows and, and put the effort in to network, to figure out how you can get more out of your business, to, to figure out what the new technologies are, to, to learn about how other people are running their company. I think it all comes down to how much effort you put in. Uh, and then once you do that, then you'll start seeing the results. Otherwise, you're probably going to be disappointed. So, so what advice would you have for maybe someone that's looking at starting their own rental business? Don't never go into any business for the sole reason of getting rich. Never go into business for the sole reason of thinking that uh, overnight you're going to be have millions of dollars. Um, that is the you're going to fail. It's the wrong reason to uh, uh, to go into business. I think that you want to, uh, when you think about any business or you know, the realm business, is that you want to understand uh, fully, you know, why you're wanting to enter. Um, is there an unmet demand? And when I look at when I entered into the business on my own, the realm business, I thought that there was a unmet uh, demand. And um, I met that demand and I was, you know, I've been successful. Um, the other follow-up question would be our, you know, thing to think about is our current companies not meeting what you think is uh, lacking. Um, so your contractor and the services poor or the, you can't rely on the delivery of the equipment when they say it's going to be there or when it's going to get uh, picked up. Is the staff, do they seem happy? Are they appreciative of you as a customer? That would be a reason where I could think that there could be an opportunity to, uh, to go into uh, to business. So um, 
The other advice I would have, and this is advice that Tim Allen, Roseburg Rental, he's also on the ARA uh, board. And Tim left, uh, he was a really successful auto dealership mechanic, and, but he wanted financial, he just, he wanted uh, freedom, you know, something like we all, you know, do better for his family. And he had engaged a business advisor, a consultant, and the consultant had said to him, you need to, uh, Tim, join whatever trade group is, like the trade group for your organization and go to as many meetings as you can, talk to as many people involved, and that will really put you on the path towards success. And I've heard Tim a few times uh, throughout the year, you know, uh, speak to that, uh, that how it really brought him success. He didn't have any experience in the, uh, in the business. Um, the other thing that I had, you know, for advice for someone to start a rental business is just read books, read books from other successful past business people, um, leaders, and also I think I like to visit the competition, see what the competition is doing, uh, watch and see what, you know, what's, what's Home Depot, what are they doing? And what can you do better? What better electric jackhammer can you provide for maybe the same price point or a cheaper price point, still be profitable, um, where the customer is gonna get it done quicker, faster, um, less fatiguing. Yeah, that's some great advice there. Thanks for sharing that. So I guess like how, how do you define success? Well, I think it's, uh, it's wealth. It's, uh, it's money that that is that success. Well, once you have the money, once you have the success and you have kind of the, the things it can prove to be very, uh, it could be empty. It's like, you know, that's, that's not, uh, that's, not real happiness. So I think that we come to realize that having, you know, our personal relationships are a success and could be how we positively, you know, how we influence and raise our, our children. Well, Michael, I really want to thank you for coming on the Rental Journal podcast. It, it's been my honor, privilege. It's been a lot of fun and I wish, uh, yeah, I'll get more people to uh, listen and and learn. So it's, uh, I think I've been, it's like going to kind of a church, but yeah, like a rental church and just listening to the uh, the sermon. That's amazing. Re- rental, maybe that needs to be the new name of the uh, the podcast, the rental church. All right. Well, everyone, thank you for listening. Please tune in for the next week's episode. Please like, follow, share the Rental Journal podcast. And we'll see everyone next week.